Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would get your Bibles open up to the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 20. We're going to start with verse 17 in chapter 20 here in just a bit. You know, uh, 32 years in ministry is a long time. And, and I can tell you anybody who's been involved in at least pastoral ministry for quite a, a long time, and I imagine it's probably about the same for anything that you do inside the church, it's pretty easy for you to get numb. And by numb, I mean... You've, you set yourself in rut and a rut where you just do what you do, and that's your basically the process you go through every day. And uh, circumstances come up where you uh, are required to start thinking out of the box, uh, which, especially for a, a hillbilly like myself, is not an easy thing to do. Um, I, I like my box. Um, It can get to the point where we actually find ourselves, instead of working in concert with Jesus, um, either working contrary to him or, in many cases, just along for the trip. Um, Very few Christians anymore are even taught or told about the the ins and the outs of real Christianity, the ups and the downs. The good stuff, which is what most people live for, the bad stuff, which is what most people live for, but is unavoidable. Um, the world we live in, <clears throat> doing what it is that we do, and in the midst of it, being driven by the purpose and the plan of God. We do this in a lot of different ways, but, I mean, it's easy. Um, the running joke when I was a kid was uh, the dirtiest word you could say in a Baptist church was change. And I remember, uh, I remember at the time that we were just beginning to go through the transformation process of the, the, the churches that are being planted. They were new churches, and they were uh, to reach different people. And then, you know, people, I had a lady here that uh, God rest her soul, and I, I still love her today as much as I did the day that I first seen her. Uh, she called this thing the Jumbotron. I won't go to church anymore if they get a Jumbotron. So when I told her, uh, we had a guy that was, that was here that was actually working uh, at Anheuser-Busch in their executive boardroom. And they had two of these that were coming out, and they were going to throw them away. And the guy asked his boss, he was like, can I take those? And his boss said, well, I can't tell you to take them. I can tell you to get rid of them. And then all I need to know the next time I come back through here is they're gone. I don't need to know where they're at. So he took them both. And I actually had one person say, that was hanging in Anheuser-Busch. Devil owns it. The devil owns it. And my mentality was the devil had it long enough. Let's put it in the service of the Lord for a few years. Um, 
if we don't adapt, we die. That's as true for humanity as it is for a church. But adapting means changing, and it means doing things maybe a little different than you're used to doing them. Now, I've done some things different than I'm used to doing them. Matter of fact, I made cheeseburgers yesterday. And I want to tell you what, I, I pride myself on my cheeseburgers. It's a concoction of, uh, of uh, spices that, uh, that I buy from the store, okay, no credit for, but I love it. I'll take the time to grill them on the grill, cook them perfectly. Yesterday, I was hungry, didn't have time. I threw some seasoning on the burgers, shoved them in the air fryer. 15 minutes, boom, the burgers were done. I had settled on the idea that I wanted a burger. And I had completely forgotten just how important the process was in making that burger as good as I usually do. And it hit me when I took a bite of that burger and it tasted different than my burgers. And God said, you didn't put the time into that that you should have, did you? I'm like, uh, no. He says, just how many other things in your life are you not putting the time in? And how's that affecting your result? Well, he wasn't saying that I need to work a 40-hour week. He would never say that to me. I don't even have to try to hit a 60-hour week. He says that because there's a difference between working and productivity. Do you hear me? There was a huge difference between working and productivity. Matter of fact, the Bible calls those people who work but are not productive busybodies. The people who like to run around and tell everybody else how they would do the job, therefore they need to do it that way. A busybody. When it comes down to it, it's easy for us to lose focus on what it is that we're even really here for. One thing dawned on me several years back, and I had gone like two or three sermons in a row, three weeks, two or three weeks in a row. And I'm preparing this message, and it dawned on me that for three solid weeks, the name Jesus didn't come out of my mouth. How can a preacher prepare a message, stand up in front of people and deliver it, and not have the name of Jesus in it one time. Because it's way too easy for us as individuals to make it about the task. I have to preach this morning. I've got to stand in front of people and preach for 40 minutes. Tell me what the difference is in my attitude when I stand up here and preach. If I approach it in such a way as to say, oh man, I have to get in the pulpit and I have to preach for 35 or 40 minutes. What's for lunch today? What's the difference between that and when an individual looks at the clock and says, I cannot believe that I get 40 minutes with a captive audience to tell them about the love of the God that created them and to also tell them how their, what seems to be, monotonous life actually has purpose.
Do you notice the difference in the first sentence? I have to or I get to. Exact same scenario, two completely different responses, two completely different results. And all of it is on, where's my head at? Where's my head at? Take a look. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 17. And Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. What do you think the first thing that these apostles thought of when Jesus said this to them? And I'll say this, I've said this many times before, I'll say it again. What was Jesus to these 12? What was he to them? He was their provider, right? He provided, I mean, they, they rarely got to go home. They did get to go home, but they traveled a lot. They slept on the ground. They used a rock for their pillow. That was, that was the way they traveled. If they ate, many times Jesus was the one that fed them. Peter even needed to pay his taxes. Jesus paid his taxes for him. He's not only, he, he's a provisionist. Jesus was providing for these 12 men over that three and a half year period that Jesus was involved in ministry. The last three and a half years of his life. He's just let them know, I have to be, I have to go to Jerusalem. And when I do, the scribes, the Pharisees, these guys are going to arrest me. They're going to mock me. They're going to beat me. And they're going to eventually hang me on a tree that I may asphyxiate to death. And what do you think the apostles thought of? Well, we know Peter's response in this, in this situation. Oh, no, they won't, paraphrasing. And then Jesus' response, get thee behind me, Satan. Not Peter, but what Peter said. So Peter, as well-intentioned as he was, wanted to just save his friend's life. But what were the consequences of that? The life lost of everyone else. Perspective's everything, folks. It means everything. Because the one thing that I guarantee you that these apostles didn't hear Jesus say was, and on the third day, he must be raised up. They didn't hear that. Look at verse 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your king kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on your right and on your left. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, My cup you 
shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared for by my Father. Hearing this, the other ten became indignant with the two brothers. Before we go any further, imagine a mom coming up to Jesus after Jesus just said that he's going to go through what he's going through. And of course, the mom's not concerned about what Jesus is going to go through up until that point. The mom's not even really concerned about anything at this point except for what? Her sons. So she runs to Jesus after Jesus just made this statement. I mean, imagine telling somebody, imagine telling somebody in, in as much seriousness as you can. I'm about to go somewhere that I'm very unpopular. They're going to kill me. And then instantly somebody running in and asking for your bed. Because they found out you're going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, Jesus, before you go, my two sons need to make sure they're all going to be in that place of authority, sitting right next to you when you, when you do get there. Jesus says, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's not my ability to give. So what happened to the other ten apostles? How did it say they responded? They were indignant. Undignified. Meaning these guys just lost it when they witnessed this. What were they worried about? Yeah, they were worried about why do, why does your mom get to suggest that you two get on the right and left and the rest of us are all left out. What if we want to be on the right or the left? Can I ask you a serious question? As people who are Christians today, just how much are we like those 12? Missing the point. The point being right in front of us and missing it entirely. Because we're too concerned about what we get out of it. And I'll be honest with you, as far as life goes, how's it turned out for you doing things that you were going to have benefit you? How has that, how's that turned out for you so far? Do you really think that you have the ability to outgive God? Do you think you have the ability to outlive God? Do you think that you have the ability to live a better, happier life in his presence or out of it? There is tons of data and tons of proof that shows that an individual who has truly made themselves a sacrifice for God are the happiest people on the planet. Because the difference is either you walk around bound by yourself or you walk around binding yourself to Christ. We're all bound. The question is, what are we bound to? If you're bound to yourself, you're not somebody who shares the gospel. I could pretty much categorically throw you into a category that quick. The class this morning, getting to know the Southern Baptist, 38,000 baptisms last year in the Southern Baptist Convention, 38,000. Pretty good, right? Big number. 
17 million church members. 17 million church members are baptizing 38,000 people. Is that good? Because that literally means out of 17 million people, the 38,000 people led one person. Possibly a smaller number of people led multiple people. But I believe wholeheartedly Barnum's statistic that says that only 3% of the church shares the gospel on a regular basis. I believe it. I've seen it with my own eyes. What are we thinking of? The Bible continually encourages us to be people who gird up our minds, to be alert, to be ready. We're constantly going to be people who have things that are thrown at us. And honestly, the things that are thrown at us, potentially misunderstood, potentially completely pulled out of context, who knows, because nobody talks to anybody anymore. Welcome to Social Media Technology 2022. People have completely lost the ability to hold a face-to-face -face conversation. Everything has to be done over Facebook. It's possible for you to silence people. It's possible to squelch people. Let's just not talk about it, and let's just continue to pretend. The day the church wakes up and decides whether it likes it or not, Jesus is the one who institutionalized this church. That he ultimately is the one who has every ounce of say in, in, in not only its establishment, but its continued operation. And it requires people who aren't just going to jump as quick as they see or hear something without trying to find out context around it. This is, this is, the, this is the spiritual inspection, the inspecting of everything that we should be doing. Because I'll tell you now, folks, it drives me nuts. As far as I know, I've never done anything to justify people leaving Highland. As far as I know, is there potentially people who have left Highland because of me? Yes. That's always potential. But I don't know whether they did or not. You know why? Because they don't tell me. They think that they hear me say something, hear something completely different, just walk off and don't even ask about it. fact is this. When you do well, I do well. That's no different than it is in anybody's life, really. If your wife's doing well, the husband typically is doing well. Husband's doing well, the wife's typically doing well. If I'm doing your well and you're doing well, then we're just doing well. But we're doing it together with purpose. Right? Who in this building gets to claim the top of the total bowl?
nobody. Because it's not my church. It's not your church. I've said before, and I don't mean offensive by saying it, I don't work for you. And if you do think that I work for you, or you expect me to work for you, then you're expecting way something less than me realizing that I'm working for the person I'm really working for. But there is no chance of Highland coming out of this muck if we don't change. I pointed at me when I said that. Did you notice? And I didn't say if you don't change. I said if we don't change. The change is just being humble. In other words, putting ourselves under the authority of God and allowing him to make the calls. Because if we ever don't have a Sunday school teacher, it's not because God didn't give us a Sunday school teacher. It's because whoever he called to be a Sunday school teacher is too scared to step up, doesn't have the faith to do it. Every position inside a church is the exact same way. Do you think that I wanted to leave a tractor trailer to start a job somewhere about something I had no idea about as far as responsibilities go? You've made sacrifices the exact same way. But we won't make the sacrifices as long as we continue to be satisfied with what we're putting out. You know what I'll never do again? I'll never make a 15-minute cheeseburger. Because it was just a perfect analogy to, I'm going to get out of it exactly what I put into it. And if life is not, is not treating you well right now, if you're unhappy, if there are circumstances that are bad, is the most intelligent thing to do, walk out, this, walk out of this building and change nothing? Because if you're satisfied with what you've got, you will have no desire to look for anything else and you will always have exactly what you got. And the truth is, you deserve it. You deserve your everything. But we end up being unhappy people walking through life because we have no idea really what the perspective what does my life mean in context with Jesus? This New Beginnings class, I'm being straightforward with people. If you become a, Highland, a member of Highland Baptist Church, if you attend Highland Baptist Church, become a part of this church family, proclaiming the gospel is expected. It's not optional. Now, you can be faithful or unfaithful in whatever you do. That's fine. But I want to be clear to you that the expectation of this pastor is that if you become a member of this church, that you be someone who loves people enough to share Jesus with them. Because otherwise, why are we here? The fellowship? You can get that at the local bar. You may not always walk out of this place feeling good, but I guarantee you, you're always walking out of this place with opportunity. You close your heart, you close your mind, you close your brain off to God, and you're done. Your marriage is over. 
Your kids will be a mess. Your life will be trashed. It's over. Be happy with what you got, because that's as good as it's going to get. But what happens when we become individuals who say, Lord, I know that you have it much better than me. I know you give life much better than me. You encourage me with relationships with people who are encouraging and genuinely love me. You provide me with a place of solace to go to every Sunday to separate myself from all of it. And if there's one thing that ticks me off, if it ever happens again, I'll handle it completely differently. Because I decided about 15 years ago that the devil got his foot in this church the last time. And it changed the way that I started dealing with people. Because humility is hard. Because I like having the freedom to make my own choices. No matter what God thinks about them. And I'm sure enough in those choices that I will live my life doing it consistently. Even if it is like sticking a finger in the eye of the creator of the universe. We think that's going to turn out well for us. These apostles are lost. Verse 20, 20, sorry, 24. Start with 24 and we'll move past it. He said that, uh, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers, but Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you. But whoever wishes to to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. You know what would have got the mother of the sons of Zebedee a pat on the back? She'd walked up there and said, put two of the other guys in that spot. It's not that Jesus could have done it. He's already pointed out that he didn't have the authority to do that, right? But what's the difference? It's different to do what we do for others than it is to do what we do for ourselves. And I'm going to tell you now, God knows the intentions of our heart. He knows the motivations of our heart, and they mean everything. Intentions and motivations don't always mean something here on the human side. Intentions and motivations mean everything to God. Because there's a big difference between not trying at all and trying and failing. And if God and if we had to pick between one of the two, God would prefer us to be people who fail and try again. That's who he prefers to be, because that's how we learn. That's how we figure things out. If you're here today and you're perfect, raise your hand. If you're here today and you think the preacher's perfect, raise your hand. 
If you're here today and you think your Sunday school teachers are perfect, raise your hand. We don't come to church to be perfect. We come to church to serve. Honestly, if I, if I asked you, hey, would you, I just have terrible, terrible plants. I just, I can't take care of them right, okay? You plant the flowers and I'll take care of everything else. Does that work? I mean, unless the preparation and planting the flowers is how I'm killing them, right? In what cases in life have we not even yielded to the authority of YouTube? We will give our authority up to anyone. As long as they're going to use that authority to do with it what we want them to. Right? See, the thing about humbling ourselves, it literally means the same thing that David did in the Old Testament. To fall prostrate. Meaning face down on the ground, as close to the ground as you can get, with your face in the dirt, your hands, palms of your hands outstretched, palms down to the ground, dirt. Because the fact is, folks, we wouldn't have nothing if it wasn't for him. He's the one that's brought us to the point that he's brought us. But please know, and you know this for a fact, Satan is going to come along and he is going to try to strip our attention away and focus it on something else. You'd be wise to ask yourself every day about everything. Is this what God is asking me to do? Because sometimes Satan will actually, many times, he will masquerade as a angel of light. He'll make things sound good. He'll make them sound promising. And then he'll use whatever it is that's made its way into your heart to destroy. I've seen it so many times and I've been fed up about it so many times. Verse 29. As they were going out from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the multitude sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened and moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Jesus was on the road to accomplish busy things. God things, important things, prioritized things. Then the men on the side of the road who were blind, Jesus, help us! 
and the people. Jesus is important. He's important business going on. He don't have time for this right now. Then they cried out again. And Jesus, being on such an important task, with such high priorities, stopped. He turned around, and he heard him. Why did it provoke that type of a reaction instead of Jesus being encouraged to continue walking? Jesus' concern was for the one who was willing to admit that Jesus could help him. And even in the face of the people around him, doesn't say specifically what they said. They were probably saying all kinds of things. Who do you think you are? You're not important enough for Jesus to turn around and pay attention to you. Others, Jesus is way too important about things that are way prioritized over yours. Or three, hey, Jesus is moving out of our city. Don't give him reason to stop. Because some people didn't like him. Jesus was not moved or manipulated by any individual. When the man cried out the second time after being reasoned with, cried out the second time, Jesus, help us. He stopped and he turned around and he helped. Here's the thing, folks. If you want to see, you've got to ask Jesus for the ability to do it. Before then, you just walk around blind as a bat. You may be seeing things, but you're perceiving little. One of the biggest problems with the church today is half-in Christians. Half-in. I don't know when the last time was that I could tell you I seen an all-in Christian. But this is what Jesus demands, is that we be all-in. And all in doesn't mean that you need to fulfill a list of requirements that somebody puts in front of you. All in, all, all in doesn't mean that you listen to this preacher and everything that he says and you walk out and you follow his instructions word for word. That's not what it means. All, all in means you live in the bubble with Jesus. When you walk, Jesus walks with you. When Jesus walks, you walk with Jesus. When Jesus talks, you listen. When you talk, Jesus listens. When you two have problems, you two find the solutions. When you two have issues, you two approach them. It's you and Jesus in everything. Jesus blesses my food. Jesus blesses my life. Jesus blesses my kids. Jesus blesses my spouse. Jesus blesses my house. Jesus blesses everything in life. And even if bad things happen, air conditioners go out, things, the blessing is still bigger than the curse. Life at its fullest? That's the door it's locked behind. Genuine happiness? That's the door it's locked behind. It's locked behind your relationship that is established on our brokenness. That's how he came into this relationship, wasn't he? So what he's asking us to do on a, on a daily basis is no different than what we've already done once if we placed our trust in Jesus. We've admitted to him before that we're broken. 
And he provided what was necessary in order for us to get the healing that came only through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we've been through points in our life where we made a choice. Either we were going to listen to him or we were not going to listen to him. And when it becomes hard to listen to him, it is hard to listen to him. But the harder it is to listen to him, the bigger growth spurt you're about to go through. Because this race isn't to be run in one day. And there are obstacles along this path. This race will run a lifetime. And on the day that we cross the finish line, we get the promise that was promised to us long ago. Life eternal. No sin, no death, no imperfection. Just eternity. To enjoy life as Jesus intended us to enjoy it. And for it to never ever change. We have to find it, folks. And it's not an easy road. Obstacles. But I can promise you that I believe to the core of my believing, to, to my being, that it's worth it. There has never been anything that I've experienced in ministry where the happiness was bigger than the hurt. Everything has been big. 5% good things, 95% bad things. 5% good things, way bigger than the 95% of bad things. He wants a relationship. But he wants a relationship at him at the, at the center of that's going to provoke us to encourage, to love people, share the gospel with them, disciple them, and put them into service. Because what Jesus said in these verses, if we ain't serving, are we even really worshiping? Because Christianity is servanthood. Period. Even if you don't ever get a title, Christianity is still servanthood. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. I can't save you. I'd certainly take the time to spend the time with you with the, that you need to explain to you the one that can. If you're here today and you're a believer or a non-believer, come up here and talk to me or call me. Or if you feel the Holy Spirit press on your heart, you say, well, what's that mean? You'll know. Then we'll have a conversation. We'll talk. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, don't ever get so... Lost. Did you forget why we're here? We only become the people we become when we become people who yield to God and His authority. And if we move along the track a ways and then we walk away from it, we'll sit in that same place. So just like Peter, once in a while, we need Jesus to look at us and say, that thing rolling around in your head right now? Get it behind me, Satan. Enjoy life again. Enjoy ministry. See new opportunities. If you are here today and you have been a believer in Jesus Christ for any point in your life, I want you to look at me. Has God proven himself to you? His existence? His power? 
Why are we still standing back from a distance with only one foot through the door? What does it take for us to become all in Christians? The answer is different for all of us. But there is one for all of us. So believer, leave this place today hopefully encouraged and hopefully with your mind rolling around in your brain with exactly where you're at in life right now, what got you there and how you're going to get out of it. And just make Jesus a piece of your life that is never apart from you. Because my desire is to see you live life at its fullest. Joy to be real. Not something that's just talked about or read about in the Bible. You can have it. I can't give it to you. Only God can. But he'll only give it to you if you're ready to take it and use it for what he intended it for. Not to disregard if you don't like it and apply if you do. Just make him that part. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.